Hello and welcome to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast. Each week, we talk about different college admissions topics and answer those tough questions you may be dealing with concerning getting into the college of your choice. We know how difficult this process can be, so each week, we try and make it easier to navigate. Now, here's your host, Anna Wren and Mark Hoffer. Welcome to this special edition of the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast, where we'll be talking about real college journeys from successful individuals. As Mark and I will often say, there is more than one road to the same destination. We're really excited to have Liz Tennedy with us here today to share her college admissions journey with you. So Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? So I'm a co-founder of a company called Motherly. We are a media organization that guides women through the process of becoming moms. Oh, that's really exciting. So did you know going to college kind of guide you this way tell us a little bit about your college admissions journey so yes my college admissions journey i think was a very long <laughs> tumultuous journey um and i do feel like where i ultimately wound up at college um really prepared me for the career that I was dreaming about having um so i worked for many years in uh, a traditional newsroom um, in Washington DC and that I was launched into a role there straight out of college and relationships that I developed in college um, so you know the journalism background that I got definitely helped get me to where I am in my startup but the journalism background really did launch out of relationships and experiences I had at college at Georgetown but as I alluded to, to talking to you previously that I didn't, uh, I had a long road to get to Georgetown. So uh, it was just the best possible experience of my life. But I definitely agree that there are many ways to get where you want to go. And there's many places that you might end up that you didn't know you wanted to be. So um, I think I'm so thrilled to be a Georgetown graduate. But you know, when I started college, I wasn't on a path to be a Georgetown graduate. And I know many others in that um, situation as well. So what was the process? You said it was very long. Yes. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Sure. Well, so, you know, I was a good college, uh, high school student. I had, you know, strong SATs. I, you know, had a very filled out resume, but it's just simply a very competitive process. So I applied to 12 schools. I was sort of being recruited to play college basketball by some of those schools. Other schools that I wanted to go to, playing college basketball was not going to be an option. Um, so I, I applied to 12 schools and I did not, I just flat out did not get into Georgetown. Um, I was rejected from Georgetown when I applied out of college, out of high school. I was waitlisted at Boston College, which was another you know, school that was similar to Georgetown that I was also interested in. So I was waitlisted at Boston College and it really came down to two different schools which were really not my first, second, or even third choice schools, um, but those were my two, my two leading options. So they were, I was accepted into the honors program at Loyola, Maryland, and I was accepted at Colby College in Maine. So it was like April of my high school <laughs> year, and my parents really, really wanted me to go to Colby because it is a great liberal arts school. It really is. And But I knew that I really wanted to be in a more urban environment and have the rich experiences of going to college 
um, in a vibrant city. And, you know, for that reason, uh, I, I really lean towards the honors program at Loyola. So I made a decision. I, um, you know, put in, I guess, the deposit at Loyola, Maryland, and that was kind of, that was it. I was going to go. A lot of people from my Catholic high school in Long Island were going to go. I mean, literally like a dozen people every year <laughs> or more go um, to Loyola, Maryland. But um, it was a week later after I made that decision that I got a phone call from Boston College um, to asking if I still wanted a spot. And the answer was definitely yes. Um, I definitely loved BC. It was high on my list. I had no um, expectation that I was going to get off the wait list. I do believe that um, in my particular case that a high school guidance counselor was honestly somewhat unbeknownst to me, but lobbying for my admission at BC. Mm. Um, I believe that at the time, this is like way back in the memory box, but I believe at the time I had published a poem in some, school publication or maybe a regional publication and the I guess the guidance counselor sent them the poem and was really sort of advocating for me and saying we really think that you know Liz is a a good match for BC and almost adding to my um you know application in a way and I again she had been in touch with admissions at BC and I don't honestly remember being quite involved in that but she was and um got the call. I think there was even like a voicemail from Boston College letting me know that I'd been admitted and would I like to go. And there was no question in my mind that BC, going to school in Boston, this great Jesuit institution, that was going to be a great place for me. So I happily went to Boston College, honestly, intending to stay at Boston College. I, I went, I showed up, I, I planned to love it and embrace it. Okay, but it sounds like you didn't stay there. (laughs) So what ended up happening was, and I think this is kind of interesting and important for a lot of your, you know, very motivated high school students to know, I thought college was easy compared to high school. You know, at high school, I was involved in a million activities and you have classes from 7.30 in the morning to 3 p.m. and then basketball practice and musical practice and band practice and then and the newspaper and then you have homework and I was working 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. physically mentally exhausted at the end of every day Mm. in high school so when I got to college not only was the the schoolwork kind of more interesting and intellectual to me but it was it was like I had all this free time that I had never had so I did really well my freshman year and I, I think you know, it's not always easy. It was certainly like falling into my own personal sweet spot, but I had great grades and I had the free time to start thinking about what it was that I really wanted to do. And essentially what happened was I started doing research on different internships that I want, that I was looking for. And what I kept finding was opportunity after opportunity in politics or advocacy or nonprofit work that I was looking at. Everything was in DC, everything. So the thought occurred to me, you know, why not throw my hat in the ring for Georgetown? (laughs) Um, I also applied to um, Mary Washington College in the D.C. area. Just this sense of why not try and be in D.C., give it one more shot. Right. 
so that's kind of how I decided, but I wasn't actively looking. It wasn't like I was unhappy at Boston College. I just felt like everything that was really interesting to me in terms of where I saw my career going was in Washington. So a uh, funny story about that is that I, um, I ended up doing my interview for Georgetown in Boston. And <laughs> I, um, it was, I, I interviewed at a downtown Boston like medical complex, a doctor was interviewing me, a Georgetown graduate doctor. He was on admissions, the alumni admissions program. I went in, I did my interview with the Georgetown um, interviewer. This is again for the transfer application. And when I was a freshman in college, I was trying to transfer. I walked out of my interview and I had a, five voicemails from my mom. And while I was, um, in my interview for Georgetown, I had actually gotten mail at my house in New York that I had been accepted to Georgetown. And I remember I had barely any money in my bank account. I had very little juice on my phone. I was like, my phone was dying. Um, but I was just in the middle of Boston, absolutely elated and um, just absolutely thrilled and knew from that second that I was definitely going to be transferring. Um, and so I think that was right at the end of April of my freshman year. Wow, that is such a great story. It just goes to show you that sometimes the system is not that efficient. <laughs> um, you can end yeah. up doing your interviews after you get in. Exactly, exactly. But what a wonderful way to kind of find out that you got into college. And did you, were you apprehensive at all about applying to Georgetown again after you had been um, denied the first time? You know, I was really happy at Boston College. People were great. It was, it was such a fun campus environment. I wasn't unhappy. It just was more that I saw a professional development opportunity in Washington and at Georgetown that I didn't see as much for me, given my interest in media and politics. So, um, so I didn't, I wasn't leaving because I was unhappy. I was leaving because I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring at Georgetown and see if admissions were possible there. Right. So. Wow, that's wonderful. So would you say you did kind of end up going to your first and second choice schools then? Because it kind of sounds like you did, even though it wasn't the conventional route. Absolutely. I definitely did. I definitely, and I often said to my parents, so I ended up being a religion and politics double major at Georgetown. Um, and after that went into religion reporting as a religion writer and editor. But I often said to my parents, especially during college, you know, even if I could have gone to Harvard, which wasn't on the table, but even if, if that were the case, I'm not sure I would have traded anything for Georgetown. It was such a vibrant environment. I met such great friends. Um, you know, I, I really I had so many professional opportunities and opportunities for internships, both on campus and off campus. So I do think that for me, I ended up going to my first choice, but again, I was waitlisted. I had to transfer. I, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't know where I would end up, but I always was looking for that um, new opportunity ahead of me. That's amazing. What a great story. I feel like, you know, you were very persistent. And, you know, I think it's so interesting that you kind of let where you wanted to go guide your choices in terms of like the opportunities. Now, did you always want to do pursue like studying religion or is that something that happened in college? Yeah, I think for me, I was always interested in media. I was always a news junkie reading the news every day. 
But when I went to college, um, I just found that talking about religion, covering religion and politics, it was some of the most interesting and of course controversial stuff, mm -hmm. but it felt like you got to have big conversations about things that really matter. And I really did enjoy that work at both studying at undergrad and then kind of launching into a religion journalism career after graduation. So it sounds like a uh location had a lot to do with your pick. Definitely. Do you think you would have still, say, in an alternate universe, yes. um, Georgetown was located in Boston. Um, do you think you still would have wanted to go or you really were set on a school that was in DC that could further your professional ambitions? So just to be honest, I, I went to a Catholic high school and I really enjoyed that environment. And I was, I was definitely looking at, you know, great Catholic, institutions, so Notre Dame, Georgetown, Boston College, but the reason that Georgetown ended up being number one for me is not only is it this vibrant um, Catholic environment that I wanted to be a part of, but it was in Washington, and as you know, the the life of Washington moves through Georgetown. Anytime Mr. or Mrs. Big Ambassador Lady comes to Washington, they stop at Georgetown, so um, it was a combination, I think. Great. It definitely sounds like it. And I think sometimes students take for granted the location yeah. um, and the environment while they're selecting schools. Absolutely. Um, so you said you had applied for 12 schools. Yes. <laughs> How did you decide on that number? I think if memory serves, four of them were schools that were kind of recruiting me for basketballs. And those were all, you know, really great, smaller liberal arts colleges. Then there were four schools that I thought were solid, not so much safety schools, but like I was pretty convinced I would get into those four schools. And then I applied to four REACH schools for me. And um, I don't even know, I, I honestly, I don't remember if Boston College was in my solid or in my REACH school, but that was kind of how those four wound up on my list. Excuse me, how those 12 ended up on my list. And um, what role did like your guidance counselor play? I know you said she was an advocate for you, which is, it's actually um, National Counselor Week or Month this week, I believe. Um, and then we were talking about how sometimes they're underappreciated um, guidance counselors, but what role did she play in terms of your college admissions journey? Well, to be honest with you, I went to a very large high school. There's 550 students in my class in high school. So I have to tell you, I don't remember. It wasn't like they were holding my hand through the process. I think I was very much leading and responsible for it. But mm -hmm. um, I, I do remember probably having follow-up conversations with her when the decisions started to come in and uh, made sure that she knew that while I was waitlisted at BC, I was still very interested. And honestly, I think she felt like I was a great fit there. I, I truly don't remember advocating too much for myself. I, I just remember that after the fact, we found out what she had done and the fact that she had been communicating with those departments. So um, yeah, I am very, very grateful for that. Yeah, sometimes they work in the background. We just yeah, don't know. <laughs> exactly. I think that's true in, in what happened in my case. Is there anything you would change about your college admissions journey? I know you said it was pretty long, but um, is there anything, if you could have changed anything, that you would do differently? Good question. 
I think I just probably like many students, I, I remember waiting to the last minute and not thinking, getting things as prepared as I could in the beginning. I, I just remember deadlines were like in a few days and I was still writing essays. Um, I know the process is overwhelming, especially if you apply to as many schools as I did, but it was all really just a matter of procrastination on my end. But I also think that being very deliberate about your messaging and what you want to express about yourself in the ways that you think you are unique in the, the points of view, experiences that you'll bring to that campus environment. Looking back, I mean, I was 17, so I'm not sure that I would have, could have known to do anything differently, but I would recommend that students reflect on you know, who is it that I am that is unique um, and that I can clearly in my essays, in the things that I emphasize on my resume or my list of activities, really how can I message in a way who I am and what is unique and why you, know, you should invite me to be a part of your university. I think I didn't have enough appreciation for how those little spaces that you're given during interviews and essays, you have an opportunity to really define something very unique about yourself and be consistent in how you express that through your application. What great advice, Liz. Thank you so much. And the last question is, I guess, you said you are the co-founder of Motherly. Yes. And so um, we know you were a reporter before. So could you tell us a little bit about your journey from like college to where you are now? Definitely. And again, thank you, Georgetown. So I, first of all, I met my husband at a party at Georgetown. So on top of everything else, I got to meet my husband. He's not a Georgetown graduate, but I did meet him at a Georgetown party. So he, he was at the Naval Academy and um, was looking for a good time on, um, on a weekend a long, long time ago. So we had a um, I'm very grateful for that. And our first child was actually born at Georgetown Hospital. So for many reasons, I love Georgetown Hoya Saxa. Um, but I transferred to Georgetown um, in my sophomore year. I was very interested in media. And because of a friend on campus, I met someone on campus who was interning for George Will. And George Will is a Washington Post newspaper columnist and political commentator. So my friend was one of his student interns and unbeknownst to me, my friend Tim recommended me for a internship at George Will's office. So I had been editor of the high school newspaper and always read the news and was pretty aware on cultural events. And I always did think that journalism and writing was something I might pursue professionally, but I, I was able to um, start working for Mr. Will um, I think in the spring of my sophomore year, and I ended up interning with him for my entire college experience. So half of sophomore year, all summer, basically year-round, starting in, the, in um, the spring of my sophomore year. And lucky for me, it was a paid internship. Many internships in Washington, D.C., on the Hill, or in advocacy organizations are, are unpaid, but it was paid. Not a lot of money, but, you know, it, it really helped. Um, help me as a college student, you know, um, being able to pay for my own groceries or going out to dinner. Um, and it was just such a great experience. I it wasn't glamorous, but getting to do 
very detail-oriented research, um, you know, helping to copy edit his columns, anything really. It was just such a great, great experience. And along the way, something else happened on campus while I had that one internship. That was about, I want to say it was, I think it, I think it was between, I think it was around 15 hours a week I interned there. Then I was, as I said, a double major um, at Georgetown. And one of my professors was launching a center called the Berkeley Center for Religion, Peace, and World Affairs. It was kind of a religion and politics think tank. And I, I was so excited. I raised my hand. Um, he was also hiring students to help do a variety of projects there. And so for me, this was just the dream. So I had an internship for George Will. And I also started working at the Berkeley Center. Um, and to make a long story short, essentially the Berkeley Center um, was partnering with the Washington Post while I was a senior in college. And because I was an active student of the Berkeley Center, I got introduced to a group of editors and reporters at, at the Washington Post. And I began sort of interning on the side for the Post. <laughs> um, I have a lot of had a lot of side jobs, I guess, thinking about it now. Um, I started writing for the Post. Um, at first, I started writing for the Washington Post for free. Um, and then I ended up going to grad school in journalism at uh, Medill at Northwestern. I kept writing for the Post during my grad school experience. Then I started getting paid to write for the Post. And by the time I had graduated, they offered me a role um, as a religion producer for a video series there. And so that's kind of how I got a foothold into the Washington Post through my relationships at Georgetown. So, um, and then, yeah, I just started wa wor uh, working at the Post right after I finished grad school and really stayed there in a variety of roles until I started Motherly in 2015. Wow, that's amazing. And how did you decide to start Motherly? Well, I'm now a mom of three kids and you know evaluating the media environment i realized that a lot of the publications around parenthood weren't i think as up to date and as helpful for new mothers as i felt like they should be and could be so it just seemed like a space that was really ready for quite a bit of innovation and i had been doing you know, digital reporting and digital editing for a long time. And for me personally, I was ready to try something a little bit out of the box. So just felt like a good combination of my interests and skills and a need for more inspirational, helpful, not scary in any way, not making women feel bad, but very upbeat and supportive um, resources for women who are in my view, going through one of the biggest changes in their lives as they become mothers. So that's how we decided to start Motherly. Well, that's wonderful. Well, it certainly sounds like college has been, a, you know, uh, college admissions was a long journey, but that every step of the way has kind of led you to where you are now. And that's so exciting. Congratulations on Motherly. Thank I'm you. sure it will continue to grow. Thank and you. thank you again today for joining us and sharing your college admissions journey with us. Absolutely. And if I could just say, you know, one last piece, I think a lesson from my story. And I remember being very anxious about this process. And I know that there's a lot of pressure and expectation straight out of undergrad, excuse me, straight out of high school going into college undergrad. But 
the first step that you take is not the end of your journey. And there are so many options. I think one of the kind of inspiring things about transfer students is that they're really carving their own path for themselves. And it, it really, I think, helps prepare you for a dynamic economy that we're living in. It's one important step in the journey, but it is not the end of the journey. And if it doesn't work out exactly how you planned, there may be another door, but you need to try and open that door yourself. That's a great uh, piece of advice to leave our listeners with. You know, it just bookends very nicely because I think a lot of times students think like, oh, it's the end of the world if I don't get in here. But, you know, like you said and you've shown, you know, there are just so many ways to get to where you want to go. Absolutely. And sometimes you're not even sure where you're going to go, but, you know, it'll kind of work itself out still in the end. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Liz. Happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to be on. Thanks for listening to the Coast to Coast College Admissions Podcast, where we make getting into college easy and fun. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and subscribe to get updated each week when we release a new episode. Also, for more helpful college admissions information, visit our website at www.c2ccollegepodcast.com. 